Last week I was in Texas. This week I'm in Alaska. So this is on the pre-recorded edition of Commander's Log. Where we're talking about the Star Trek short tracks, the brightest star and the girl who made the stars. And of course, you're going to see this live, sort of, kind of. Me and the captain are going to duke it out after the jump. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That song gets me so hyped. It's not about me, Captain on the bridge. It feels so epic, and it's all let down after that. It's like, what, Dude, it's a, what are we doing? I love your theme, man. I love that theme. Uh, hey, number one, thank you for having me aboard the mighty USS Recap. Am I getting that? Post show. Post show. The USS Post show. Yeah, Recap for de decommissioned. Yeah. Hang on. I got to have a little more of my booze. <laughs> That Romney and Ale. Uh, hey, man, look, if you're watching this live, thank you. Or you're watching now. It's not really live. It's pre-recorded. But I know after this, you'll be doing the Picard recap on Weber Internet thingy. It's a thingy, but you can't really hold it in your hand. You can hold a phone in your hand. You go to a laptop in your hand. How can someone engage with you in the Picard after show? You can find us on Facebook, uh, Starbase 80. Uh, that's uh, that's a great show that is part of the Weber Internet thingy. You can also find that on Facebook. Uh, so just put type in Weber Internet thing, and you don't have to put the Y or the IE on the end of thingy. It'll, I'm sure it'll finish it for you. But anyway, yeah, come on by. Catch us on uh, Picarder. That's what we're calling our, our uh, post-show for Picard season two. Yeah, at first I thought you were being ridiculous, but I've seen so many characters running while sparks are flying around them. That it could be a diehard spinoff. Why not? <laughs> you know, there's, Ruffy. A, there's <laughs> a lot going on. I, You and I had this conversation of mm -hmm. like, should we do a show about Picard? And then you were like, mm. and, and I was there too. And I was like, Ugh. And uh, and then I wasn't going to do it. And then my co-hosts were talking to me uh, about it. And they were like, are you sure you don't want to do a show? And then I was like, I'll tell you what, if you guys do it with me, we can do it. And yeah. so I've got uh, Leo Genesek, I've got Chris Pitcher, and I've got Joe Townsell on the show. And these guys entertain the hell out of me. I know they'll entertain you. And if they don't, you might be entertained by them entertaining me. <laughs> you can't lose <laughs> uh, but captain we have business at hand we're talking about two more episodes uh of short tracks which is something thankfully you've you had picked you have uh, of cult david to for us to go through and let's start off with the most controversial one not necessarily in subject alone because we have two very different opinions about this the brightest star this one's featuring uh, our man saru back on Kaminar. Back when fear was all the rage and events leading up to him being selected by Starfleet. 
I had always wondered how did a guy from such a um, peaceful, you know, they're basically they 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 eat seaweed. They're they're um, you know, there's these amphibious beings who uh, they harvest seaweed. And then they themselves are harvested. They're not the apex predators on their planet. They are also a food source for the Balians. Bahul. Baulians. And um, I honestly never wanted to watch this one. I watched mm. it last night for the first time. And uh, I'm sorry, that's where my TV is. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like winking at my TV like you and me. We had a good time. <laughs> no, we did. <laughs> um, we... Uh, I I was depressed at the thought of going back into Saru's past and seeing what it was like to grow up poor. A don't don't have to do that again. I don't want to do that again. Did it? Well, once. you grew up. I, I've been a kid forever. I'm still growing up. I'm so poor too. So. I'm not sure I grew up, but I was poor, and uh, and and it. You know, that kind of like going back, going backwards in Saru's story. I was not thrilled about doing that. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I watched it because it explains so many things that I had no explanation for. I couldn't even guess what Saru's story was. Mm -hmm. It's actually a fascinating story uh, and, and really tells us a lot about how he feels about his family uh, and then as the show develops, how he feels about his home world, it it really added a lot. It filled in a lot of gaps for me. So I think the fact that it does is why I don't like it. It's actually one of my least favorite short tracks. And Kaz and I, we fought over. It was a big, giant cartoon cloud stars and spirals before we went like. <laughs> uh, I feel like if there was a short tracks comic book. This would be the perfect story for that. I can imagine the inks of the of the mm. fields and the small little huts and all that stuff. But mm. as a thing, it's kind of under at least to me. We had a lot of through episodes. We had the uh, the uh, what's his name of the um, the ritual. I'm 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 blanking on it. Uh, oh, the, yeah. Varaha. We had we had all that stuff talked about before through the course of the main series. Having Saru come up there to me was like, yeah, all right. You, I've, I can imagine a, t a cross T would go here. Uh, I looked past the typo, but you went back and gave me something I already had filled in in my mind. So it's more superfluous rather than outright bad. Well, um, you know, these sorts of origin stories are not necessarily, well, they're not necessary uh, most of the time, honestly. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't, I don't need to know why somebody left their small town. It was a small town. That's why you left. Right. Well, that um, was, brings a question. Though. I had to cut you off there. What's the best prequel of all time? It's like, I think there are a lot more better sequels than prequels. Wow. Well, um, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go absolutely bizarre on you here, and I'm gonna go John Archer from Star Trek Enterprise. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, because his father had a big hand in developing uh, warp-capable technology. Uh, but his father, who probably should have been allowed to be part of the first mission uh, away from Earth uh, for the you know what eventually would become Starfleet, uh, didn't get to. So the father's frustration was passed down to Jonathan Archer. So Jonathan Archer is a big chip on his shoulder when... 
enterprise begins. And that explanation uh, really helps a lot. Um, mm. There's there's a lot of good backstories to a lot of Star Trek characters, but that's the first one I can think of where I go, oh, I know everything I need to know about you just from that one issue. Well, I mean, I, I get that. So let's hit the back to Saru a bit, right? So he yeah. has his origin story. He has his own familial problems because everybody's all scared. And he's like, nah, we should not be scared. What's this about? I have questions. And I was like, how dare you have questions? Now, John, while we do this, man, I know we've been in situations like that where we decide to go outside of our own family or our own uh, warm womb or you're met with resistance because of tradition or just fear or anything like that. Did this really relate to you or did it seem kind of a TV trope type of a deal? Uh, you know, that's a great question because I feel like there's a lot of tension between that. Uh, how sort of typical is this? But on the other hand, how how atypical is Saru that made this happen? And, um, and we get the answer to both questions, which is um, it's very atypical in Sir, among Saru's people for someone to go, you know, I think there's more. Uh, yeah. though, you know, the guys who eat us come from the stars. Why don't we get to go to the stars? Right. And, and actually <laughs> that kind of questioning frees people not to, not to get so heavy on it, but heavy, I mean, why, why doesn't everyone, uh, I remember being a kid and my parents were uh, very good at raising us to respect everyone, to appreciate that not everyone has the same advantages in society, um, that people who questioned that, Rosa Parks, uh, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, these are people who are raising good questions. Why do I have to follow a tradition that holds me down to this level while other people are up here? Mm -hmm. and, um, and why am I not given opportunities? Why is it against the system or in this case of Saru, the balance. That's right. Right. That's their God is the balance and, and the idea of nature. Yes, we exist, but we're also eaten. And that is just nature, and that is the balance. And and that's their religion. That's their spirituality. So uh, that that blows my mind. What is interesting about that is because the original balance was the opposite way. If you guys, if you if you are into that kind of thing, the the Kelpians used to be the predators uh, to the Bahul. They used to like bring the bring extinction, and the Bahul got wise, got smart, and basically turned the tide. So there is that that layer of tradition. That's how long we've always been doing it, but no one's lived long enough to know that it used to be the opposite. And so yeah. even though Saru looks like a, an econoclast, I mean, he's kind of like saying, you know, what's wrong with thinking this? Why do we have this technology? Why come we can't use this? And he goes rogue because of it, John. He goes rogue. He does a beacon. Ha, patooey. Even better is the fact that um, anytime the, I, I'm still trying to figure out how the uh, technology fell off the ship. That's <laughs> hey man, I got a white van. You know, look, I got throw this out. I mean, you're, from, you're from the New York area. You know, yeah. people sell things that have fallen <laughs> off of ships. Yeah, man. You heard of Sony? This is Sunny. Bada boom. Okay. <laughs> so, so he finds this piece of technology, and he is just so naturally good at technology that he figures out how to turn it into a beacon and uh, uh, exchange basic um uh language and messages that become much more c 
complex, I guess, as time goes on with yeah. someone up in the stars. We don't know quite yet who that someone is, but oh, that was a great ending. You got to love that ending. Stardust, basically, what it was. No, it's, it was Cody Rhodes. And um, so I want to compare Saru to someone who's also religious, and that is Kieran Aries from DS9. Uh, she definitely is someone that understands technology a little bit more advanced, so maybe an unfair comparison, but she's always kept her faith. But for me, it felt like in this piece, Saru had to choose between like the way you believe or outside the house. And that may be a little bit tough for some people to internalize, no? You know, um, my mom was a minister, so I know what it's like. I did know that. Yeah, I, I uh, my mom was a well, I mean, she she was a she was a Methodist minister, but um, for a long stretch there, she was a Baptist minister. Oh, uh, and I, I'm very you know very proud of her. Um, it, it was her calling; she very much wanted to do that. Um, I I feel like in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of moral ways, we were raised right, but we were also very provincial. They thought it very weird that I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a comic. I wanted to move away. I wanted to go to New York City. I wanted to go to L.A. Uh, That never quite fit in with their world. So I really kind of understand that because Saru's dad is like the holy man of the village. He's a preacher's kid. Mm Mm-hmm. He's also a really good kid. He takes care of stuff. That's how he he gets that technology because his dad was like, hey, you got to get rid of that. That's that's one thing we do. We don't let any technology, uh, you know, exist in our hands. You got to you got to get rid of it. Of course, Saru doesn't. He doubles down and he learns to use it. Well, the ending is very Green Lantern. I guess I'll spoil. Do we spoil? Are we going to spoil this? Let's spoil it. it. Let's spoil it. The most Green Lantern thing ever, the Beacon gets installed by Starfleet, and George, George Joe arrives. Uh, I guess classic George Joe, not Prime. Uh, but I'm uh, not, not Terra George Joe, but Prime George Joe. She yeah. arrives and gives the most bureaucratic answer ever. It goes, look, ah. man, I got room for you on this bus. You got to put away everything you know about your identity and personality. And Saru's like, okay, I'm in the band. And he goes, zoom, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, am I am I paraphrasing wrong? <laughs> you are being so mean. Oh my god, you're so mean. Did I do that the, wrong? <laughs> the the basic thing that he asks is, "Can I come back?" Yeah, because he's thinking like anyone who loves their family, who loves their their hometown. It's like if I'm going to go off and do great things, I get to bring stuff back, right? I get to come back and and make sure everybody's okay. And Giorgio's like, that's not gonna happen. You gotta, you gotta be all in on this leaving and and pulling up roots. And as we know from watching Discovery, of course, his heart was always back there. Eventually he returns. And uh when they go way forward in the future, he goes back to a very evolved um uh planet, and he's very important to them. Uh and and I just love that arc too, uh, where he becomes like this elder statesman, not only of his people but of his planet. I, I love Saru. I love the character. I know he's super sweet, and that turns some people off. But I just love it. I kid, I kid. Uh, it's actually pretty solid. You know, even though it's my least favorite Star Trek, it's not a bad one necessarily. Even though right. John and I have a fuck. A tooth and nail over it. Uh, before we move on to the girl who made the stars, any last uh, thoughts or notes about this one, the brightest star? 
Once I saw Michelle Yeoh basically doing a cameo in this, I was like, these are so good. Mm-hmm. These are so good. And I, I love the fact that they just put so much talent into them. Uh, this one, oh, okay. The the writers on this one, uh, Bo Yun Kim, uh, Erica Lipdolt, um, Douglas Aronofsky, uh, Arnio. Ar- Arnioski, Arnioski, sorry. Sorry, Douglas. Uh, yeah, this was not like a team I've seen before. And this was early. This was the third short trek that they made, too. So they really felt it was important to tell this story. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I agree with them on that. I, I like this story. I'm glad I watched it. Well, we got to move on to what seemingly become my favorite short trek, The Girl Who Made oh. the Stars, because it's animated i love it didn't expect that was going to be the case i thought it'd be all live action fairly definitely a fable in space but it has this look wakanda vibe because it's like the future and the past with technology and yeah stuff there joe why'd you pick this one thoughts about this one the girl who made well the stars. uh you know i i really do love the character of michael burnham i think her importance in Star Trek is still yet to be realized by most of the fans. Mm -hmm. And that's fine because she's in the current Trek and the current Trek almost always doesn't get enough love. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Almost always. So the, you know, strange new worlds. We'll see. I have a feeling people are going to freaking love that one. I hope so. I'm like, Oh, let them better on discovery, but it's too much now. (laughs) The the car is too principal too much made her. The, the uh, you know, the interesting thing about Michael Burnham is um, she is a great scientist. She is a great leader. She is a warrior. She is so many uh, tremendous things. It's funny you would mention Wakanda. She is so Wakandan mm-hmm. in, in her, you know, forward thinking, her courage, uh, you know, the, the fact that um, – and she values everybody around her. These are, are great qualities of any kind of a character. Uh, what I do love about the girl who made the stars is we meet her at like four. She's like yeah. four or five. Yeah. Because she's not even doing like proper words yet. I'm squared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's, I, I mean, look, I, I honestly wish I had kids yeah. just so I could show them this. Yeah, it's adorable. And I not to say that I hate kids, uh, but I, I don't get the fatherly instinct. I don't get the I don't get the warm and fuzzies, but this one was kind of cool because uh just to give a little bit of a plot line, there were no stars back then. There was all darkness that night. The night beast, which is his mythical snake, will come and eat you, which and I gotta say, sidebar, this is not the point of my recap, but so my parents are West Indian, and I would go back to the, the, the mother country over the summers, and they have street lights every once in a while, but like the streets are like rolling hills with sugar cane, tall starks, stalks of grass. So when night fall, it was scary. Like let's yeah. let's call it in. So having her journey across the barrier to find a glow, and the glow gave her the stars. I said to myself, that's cool. And her walking with the little like lightning bug in the glass was so cute. Yeah, <laughs> My heart melted. It was like, oh, little short little legs. Ah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And if it had been Disney, that uh, that lightning bug would have had a personality. Probably oh, would yeah. have been played by a comedian. Maybe Hannibal Burris would, would be playing him. I don't know. You saw Princess and Frog. They literally did that. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a song. <laughs> they gave the lightning bug a song. <laughs> it was but crazy. you don't. 
it's interesting. Um, there was a comic book, um, maybe about, uh, I think at this point, it's like 20, 20 plus years uh, ago, uh, called Manhunter. Okay. And it was one of the times that they were bringing back Manhunter at DC. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a character who's had many different forms. But this one, it was based on, uh, there was a nemesis character assumed to be on the outside of village life. And this is something that all cultures have. All cultures have a history of going back to their people living in villages and having no light. And the night being frightening, the night being the nemesis of the people who live during the day. Uh, So I love that, the fact that that is very endemic to all humans. Yeah. It's a story about Africa, but everybody is part of this story. I am so glad that it wasn't just me. I'm like, I'm such a wuss. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm telling. Dude, uh, okay. Uh, Quick, stupid story. I was nine years old. I was nine years old. We were visiting um, relatives who lived out in the country. I had never seen those bug zappers, those like glowing bug zappers. Yeah. And so at night, I was walking from where my parents were having this party to where the house where we were staying. So that was like a quarter of a mile or something. Not, not, you know, terrible. And it's way back in the old days. So little kids were, you know, what was I? I was like 12, 13. I wasn't a little kid. Uh, But it wasn't unusual that I might be walking. And I remember like having no idea what that glowing purple thing going was yeah and and not knowing that there were like one in every yard so i was like is that thing sneaking around the houses and like following me whoa that's a cool premise like not not it being a bug zapper obviously but if you were walking on the street and things were zapping around the house that'd be a cool like horror movie premise I mean, that that's what I was seeing. I was seeing Jason, except it was a, a purple glow going zit, 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 zit. It was bugs dying, John, you silly goose. I don't care, man. Nighttime out in the countryside where there's like no no taxis, no, ah, none of that. Just, it's just <laughs> so weird. So yeah, weird to me. Uh, but but what was cool about uh, the, the – I want to skip to the end here. But the last scene was that we see the the girl in the legend become almost an adult or an adult. And she almost had this warrior type thing to her. And at that point, I was like, I want myself a sequel. I want a sequel of this world. I want a bedtime story. What's her deal? Able to shoot bow and arrow wearing sandals. What is going on there, John? I felt exactly the same way um, because because the little girl in the story – seems to be played by the little girl that the story's being told to, which is little toddler Michael Burnham. And then her father says, who's telling her the story, says she grew up to be a queen and a great warrior and leader. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, she's got, like, the shield and the spear, and she's, like, jumping in the air. And I'm like, man, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't think it was terrible to see Sonequa Martin Green dressed up like that doing some action yes. adventures, man. That's what I'm saying. Night piece for everyone. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, little Michael Burnham says, I don't need the nightlight off. So, dad wins the mission of saving on his light bill. And so, let me ask you this, John. Were there other opportunities there to if you ever decide to have a sequel? Let's say you couldn't do the adult thing. Did you have any ideas for something you would have about the kid? That the kid was like having another bedtime story. If they want another dad, help me out here. All right, got Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say no. I absolutely wouldn't say no. But the reason why I would be all in on it uh, would not necessarily be a storytelling reason. It would be uh, who the story is told to reason. Right, right. I feel like kids would really dig a series or a mini series um, because, let's remember, Michael Burnham is a genius. She, she's... She's not only a great scientist, she's one of the greatest. Um, and so the kid is going to be super smart and she's going to be able to apply that. And, you know, let's face it, kids need, all kids need to be encouraged to get a better education, to think more, to use critical thinking, to do better than the old farts who are running things right now. And I want to encourage all kids to do that. So... That, that would be great. I would love to see that. On the other hand, I also love the, like, honoring, you know, the history of your people. Absolutely. You know, I, I love that movie Brave. With, that was with in my the, notes also, yeah. Oh, no kidding. With the yeah. Scottish girl getting the hair out of her face while she's, you know, pulling back on the bow. I love all those <sighs> stories. I think those stories are important to tell the kids. And let me get super, super liberal here. Really important to tell girls. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was. It's funny because like I, I, I was. I watched. I bought a ticket to see Brave Solo, and mm. uh, and I loved it. But I was kind of like, you know what? I just wanted a war movie. The bear stuff is cool, and I was like, bro, you're you're your mid thirties. Why are you critiquing? <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> I want a war film. It's a Pixar movie. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right. Uh, right. I that's <laughs> so dumb. Uh, you weren't wrong. I mean, that would be great for you. But but yes, it really did get a lot of girls. It's funny because the um, Hunger Games movies were going on at the same time. And I had friends who were raising their daughters and they're like, oh, my God, the archery. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> all my, my girls want to do is archery. All, well, it's weird because before we used to say I had friends who had daughters. Now they say they're girl dads. Anyway, one girl dad was like, my, my, my daughter wants to be named Aria now. I was learning to do a crossbow. And was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, last thing I note for me on my notes before I ask you your final thing was I really like the score here. The score here was epic and whimsical. It made me on the ride. It was, I felt the snake. I felt the light. I felt everything. Oh, I did not notice the score. How could you? So I'm tied up in Kelpian politics. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to assume that this was a Joe Russo score. And, um, and, and I could be wrong about that, but um, uh, Russo's music just absolutely does it for me. I love the music that he's done for Star Trek, that he's done for Picard and for Discovery. There was mm -hmm. a show called Counterpart. Uh, if you can ever find uh, on uh, YouTube, if you can ever find the um, opening credits to Counterpart, 
Um, they're beautiful to watch, but his music is incredible. Yeah, yeah, music is a really good, strong thing in Star Trek right now. Says Chris Bowers got credit for it. Uh, oh, Chris, okay. Chris Bowers, uh, it says on IMDb, I'm quoting here, so I'm not doing my own research. Uh, Chris Bowers is known for his work in Space Jam, A New Legacy, Bridgerton, When They See Us. Uh, person of color as oh, well. Oh, damn. So damn. DMZ, Eventing Anna, Raising Dion, King Richard, uh, that the uh, Serena. Oh, the wow. Serena yeah. But yeah, that I was the first time I was like, whoa, this, this, is, this is a dope soundtrack. I like it. That's I fantastic. Like well, more uh, power to him. He's doing great work. I'm going to follow him on Instagram. Maybe get him on my podcast. Uh, but about me putting myself over, uh, John, any final thoughts before you put yourself over? Look, I was trying to figure out the whole time while watching it, who is this guy playing the voice of Michael Burnham's father? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I did my research. Okay. And uh, and I I didn't I didn't realize this that Michael Burnham is named after her dad, Mike Burnham. Oh, okay. I I had to re- get reminded that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the actor who plays him is Kenrick Green. Okay. If you look up Kenrick Green, the character in this cartoon is modeled completely on his face. Good-looking guy. Actor. Oh, yeah. Very unique features, right. though. Yeah. It gets better. Kenrick okay. Green is the reason why Sonequa Martin's hyphen green that's her name. She's married to Kenrick Green. She's married to her TV dad. She's married to her TV dad. Man, stay winning. What? <laughs> gets, gets the bag and the girl? Oh, I am doing life wrong. <laughs> this, is, this is what I know about Discovery. If you're on Discovery, you might be able to get your significant other on too. Well, what was the name of, of, of that virtual Zora we had last week? Is, <laughs> is she is she single? Let me let oh, me know. I'll go look her up for you, man. Uh, and there was that uh there was one character a couple weeks ago. Her name was uh oh, it's Picard. Dang. All right, I gotta figure this out. I wanna make her I wanna find someone who's single <laughs> and then <laughs> hit her up. <laughs> Using Star Trek as your dating pool, I say more power to you. You can't lose. <laughs> You can't lose. Uh, we gotta get out of here, man. We've talked about this show too long enough. Commander's Log. We'll be back here next week with more uh, live episodes. Frankly, I'll be back by Alaska, hopefully and graciously by then. Going back to some of the classic stuff until we lead up to Strange New Worlds. It starts May fifth, but we have some cool animated shows to talk about yeah. as well. John, yeah. we mentioned the top of the show, but now it's the bottom of the show. And pitch a few moments. The Picard recap is happening over at the Internet Thingy. How do I connect with that? Uh, find me at uh, on on Facebook. You can find us uh, on the Starbase 80 page. Just put in Starbase 80. You'll find us uh, or Weber Internet Thingy and on YouTube at Weber Internet Thingy. Uh, we'd love to have you join because me and the boys are actually having a great time watching the second season of Picard. I didn't see that coming. Oh, yeah. Well, I I was also a little bit. I'm mildly impressed with the improvements this season, but it's fine. But uh, I'm going get out of here. But until next time, that's uh, Mr. Tilly, and I'm Mr. Commander Non. Live long (laughs) and prosper. (laughs) 